0: It's so beautiful to be together. Thank you, band, for serving us so well. Thank you for singing so loudly um, this morning. Um, just a few little bits of business. Uh, we do have a WhatsApp group that sends out comms every week. So um, we're currently in a one-service um, Sunday rhythm for the ho- until the holidays are finished, so from now until the 9th of um, July. We are at One Service 830. But if you'd like to just stay in touch, please why don't you chat to Nicole at the back or JJ Dion myself and we'll get you on that group. It's not a spammy group, we promise. But just a few things coming up in the next little while. One is we're launching into the second half of the year. We'd love to see a few more families and people who are passionate about the next generation, getting stuck into Kids Church, getting stuck into our anchored group, our preteens. If you just feel a little bit of a sense for a six-month commitment, you don't have to commit beyond the end of the year, but we'd love a few more hands and committed people to serve once a month or so in those teams. So why don't you come and chat to Di the Kids Church or Nicole afterwards, just if you want to sign up for that. And then um, just to let you know a little bit of the the um, plan for the next little while, on the 9th of May, if you miss, sorry, 9th of July, if it's 9th of May, it's a long way away, or you know, you, you're past it. The 9th of July, we're having a little get-together after the service here. If you missed last Sunday and you want to hear what that's about, how we want to have a, vi- how we have a vision and want to be good neighbors to those in our geography, listen to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, um, if, uh, have a little listen to what we talked about last week, and then stick around after the service on the 9th of July, grab some tea or coffee, come back into the auditorium for about half an hour, 45 minutes, to brainstorm the kind of neighbors and the kind of neighborhood we want to Bold. We're really, really excited about that. And then just to give you an idea of the preaching journey for the next while, I know some of you love to read ahead and plan ahead, and we'll share some of our, um, um, our preferred reading for the next while. But um, coming up now for the rest of the holidays, we're back in the book of Hebrews, from Hebrews chapter 10 and on. Afterwards, we start term three with a series called Love Handles, looking at relationships, parenting, friends, how do you get a grip? on loving well, on serving one another well, of, on having healthy relationships in our life. We do it every year, and every year we've got a big need for people to lean into it. And then after that, we go into our But God series where we get to hear some amazing testimonies of what God's done in people's lives, in our church, and in Scripture. So that's from now until the end of the term. We're really excited to be on all those preaching journeys. And um, yeah, today we're going to jump back into the book of Hebrews. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into Hebrews chapter 10 for those who brought their Bibles along. Jesus, we thank you um, that you are so obviously present amongst us. We thank you that your word is powerful and sovereign over our lives. We thank you that we can submit to the beautiful kindness and will of God over our lives. And so right now, we just submit ourselves again under your word, under your authority, under your love and your kind hand this morning. We just say, God, if there's anything you want to speak to us about or coach our hearts and souls on this morning, we give you such full permission. To do that through your word this morning, God. Our whole lives are in submission to you, Christ. Come and be that good pastor and good king and good priest over each and every one of our souls this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so just a little recap of what we've covered so far. We built up to Easter with the first nine chapters of Hebrews. And again, if you missed that, you can catch up and listen. Um, there's also a fantastic little devotional on uh, version uh, uh, on a phone app or on a computer. If you go search there, and we'll share it again this week, Jesus is better from the book of Hebrews. You get a daily little reading that you can track along with and take this to the next level. But what we've covered so far, a little reminder that Hebrews is... Kind of a unique letter in all the New Testament because it almost reads like a sermon from a pastor to his people, to his friends that he's thinking about by name as he goes through these encouragements, as he goes through these edifications, and as he goes through these warnings. He's reminding his friends and his church— got a specific group of people in mind as he goes about preaching the sermon to them. Uh, many of the other letters, most of the other letters are to groups of churches. There'll be mentions of people by name, but they're kind of a little bit more general to a bunch of churches. But this is like a pastor just grabbing hold of his friends going, here's a sermon to you. Do remember these things. It's an unbelievably power, powerful, but a book. And so far in Hebrews chapter one to nine, the big summary is this. Jesus is better. Jesus is enough Everything we need, Jesus has, and he goes through this kind of uh, beautiful macro picture of why Jesus is better from the first word of creation to the last word spoken to us in these last days. Um, He's saying to those people, to the people that he's pastoring, you've trusted in kings to rule you. You've trusted in prophets to speak to you and priests to represent you. But I want you to know Jesus is better than all of those systems. He's better than any good king. He's our forever king. He's better than any prophet. He's our final prophet. He's better than any human high priest. He's our personal compassionate high priest. And then he goes through all these systems that they would have held on to. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Sabbath rest. Rather than one day of the week where we get to rest, he's actually permanent, wonderful rest and celebration that we can lean into. This is our Jesus. He's better than any priest that's gone before. He's even better than the tabernacle, the place where the Holy Spirit used to live. And he's better than any sacrifice we could bring, because as we'll see this morning, he's the once and forever sacrifice. And he brings us a better promise, a better covenant. He's driving home again and again and again for nine chapters that Jesus is enough. We don't have to add a single thing to what Jesus has done. He's enough. And then we also talked about the fact that the book has these encouragements and then he goes to these warnings, these kind of quite harsh change of gears because he's talking about how magnificent Jesus is and how much better our life is with Christ in it. But then he really drives home these quite intense warnings. And it reminds me a little bit of like if you've ever been to um, a parent speaking to whether it's a significant uh, 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 65th or 70th or something like that or a wedding speech where most of the tone is this wonderful boasting and then there's also these reality things uh, sewn in as well because a good parent wants their kids to know that while most of life in Christ is worth celebrating we've got these warnings about not to stray and so so far we've covered three of these warnings he said friends don't ignore the voice of God when he speaks especially when he's calling you to salvation don't ignore that voice of God when he's commanded you to do something, to go and be faithful. Listen to the voice of God and to his commandments. Secondly, the, other, the next warning we looked at is that nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Friends, remember that we're going to hold account of everything we do, that we're either covered by the blood of Jesus or we're hiding our sin. And either we bring our stuff to him now and vulnerability or he brings it to us later. And he's warning us and cautioning us, nothing stays Hidden, friends, bring it to him now to receive that beautiful forgiveness and to remind ourselves we've received that beautiful forgiveness. And then the third warning is, he says, don't taste of the goodness of God and the closeness of the Holy Spirit and then live like you haven't. Don't have mornings like this morning where you can actually sense the closest of God speaking and meeting your need and then walk out and live like we haven't because it's dangerous to do that. It's so hard to come back if we live like that. And so there's these unbelievable encouragements about who Jesus is and these warnings and reminders about who we are meant to be. And as I've kind of read and reread the letter... I didn't want to just jump into this next part because in Hebrews 10, it sort of changes gears a little bit and he wraps up his final Jesus boast with this ultimate sacrifice we'll look at this morning and then goes into a few chapters on the encouragement of what it's like to live this resurrection life, what it's actually like to live a new, full of Jesus, gospel life on earth, loving others, reaching others, staying in faith. And so when we get there this morning, I didn't just want to read it. Because remember, this is like an impassioned, encouraging sermon to his friends. And so I wanted to give us a little bit of a taste of the kind of passionate and dramatic way that this writer might have been delivering this message to his church. And so I've asked Zoe, our fantastic part of this church, and one of our worship leaders and group members to come up and do a little dramatic reading of what it would have felt like to maybe catch some of the emotion of Hebrews chapter 10. It'll also be up on the screen so you can track along, but please give Zoe a hand as she comes to share.
1: morning by the way. (laughs) The old plan was only a hint of the good things in the new plan. Since the old law plan wasn't complete in itself, it couldn't complete those who followed it. No matter how many sacrifices were offered year after year, they never added up to a complete solution. If they had, the worshippers would have gone blissfully on their way no longer dragged down by their sins. But instead of removing awareness of sin, when those animal sacrifices were repeated over and over, they actually heightened awareness and guilt. The plain fact is that bull and goat blood can't get rid of sin. Every priest goes to work at the altar each day, offers the same old sacrifices year in, year out, and never makes a dent in the sin problem. But as a priest, Christ made the single sacrifice for sin, and that was it. He sat down at the right hand of God and waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. The Holy Spirit confirms this, saying, This new plan I am making with Israel, it isn't going to be written on paper. It isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time, I am writing out the plan in them and carving it into the lining of their hearts. He concludes with, I will forever wipe the slate clean of their sin. Because once sins are taken care of for good, there is no longer any need to offer sacrifices for them. So let's do it full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going because he always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, no longer avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching.
0: this pastoral reminder, this encouragement where you can feel the urgency and excitement kind of coming off the page. And he's talking about, before he pivots across to being the kind of people full of belief and confident. there's this 19 to 21 verse, and he can just take this in, and it says this, this hinging verse of all of Hebrews, because Jesus is better, because Jesus is above it all, because Jesus has done it all once and for all, the final sacrifice, we can now, without any hesitation, walk right up to the presence of God into the most holy place because Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our once and forever priest before God. That curtain into God's presence is Jesus' body himself. Isn't that beautiful? I wonder what it looks like to become the kind of people, to become the kind of followers of God who feel and believe and know that they can walk right up into the presence of God and be full not of anything but confidence. Another version would say to boldly enter the most holy place, the very presence of God that holds all of creation together, that could smite us in an instant that the, uh, the men and women of faith of old would have to cower under a rock for because they couldn't actually fully appreciate it. We've been invited into the beautiful, powerful, glorious presence of God, what does it look like to be a people who walk right up into the most beautiful place, to be a people full of boldness and confidence? And in order to help us understand this, I want to talk about my standard five dance. Because I wasn't always this um, athletic model looking person that I am right now. Don't laugh, that's horrible. So imagine a 12-year-old, 13-year-old Um, trying to be full of confidence kind of, Matt. And we've gone away for the standard five um, trip together, and it ends with a disco on the Saturday night. And so I pleaded with mom, mom, please take me to the cool, like, Ripco or instinct shops and we were like a one income family of a journalist and she's like no we'll go to like the, the kind of pep version of whatever that is back then so I went and I found the knockdown version of like remember those shiny um silky kind of shirts with the v-neck collar and straps and the boys of london jeans you remember me anyone born in the late 80s or the early 80s okay cool the the big heavy shoes um and I thought to myself I need to get right because I'm gonna ask Eloise to dance at the grade seven dance. Now, Eloise is blonde and beautiful with freckles and a wonderful smile, and she's been kind of on my mind for most of grade seven. <laughs> but I don't know if you've seen that, uh, that kind of little meme video going around of the little kid, like, dancing in front of the girl, like, just locked in, trying really hard to be more confident than he is, and she's just sort of standing there with absolutely deadpan expression on her face. You know the video I'm talking about? This is me. So I work up the courage over uh, seven, eight, nine, ten hours, it felt like, to go and ask Eloise to dance. But here's the thing. Eloise didn't want to dance with me. Eloise wanted to dance with Dylan. Because Dylan went to the Rip Curl shop. <laughs> and Dylan was ripped. And Dylan had calves from heaven, and Dylan could dance. Because when Dylan came onto the dance floor, he entered that place with the most confidence you've ever seen. And every single girl in grade seven of Virginia wanted to dance with Dylan, and even I wanted to dance with Dylan. <laughs> just. A little bit. Dylan boldly entered that dance floor and took Eloise and danced with her. And he just knew something. He had some sort of a belief. And have you? Can you kind of relate to this? Have you seen a sportsman just so full of confidence in their craft, or a master or a musician, just someone who so knows? Who they are and what they do and so knows the audience they're going to that the confidence, the boldness level is just off the charts. They just know who they are and what's in them and what they're going to bring that they're able to walk out there with boldness. And we're not talking about some sort of fake man-made stuff that lasts a blip. We're talking about an invitation from this pastor to be the kind of people that when we come into the presence of God, when we pray and when we worship when we serve and when we love others, when we become who we are meant to be, our boldness levels are on that level. Dylan on steroids. Because we know, we believe who we are and that Christ is enough. That what he's done has paid the price and paved the way. And so how do we become the people that just walk straight up to God and know that when we pray and worship and are with him, it's the best place to be? Because that's the invitation. Not to cower in, not to cover ourselves, not to limp in with apologies. But once we are covered by the perfect sacrifice and blood of Jesus because his body is our curtain, we stroll past that curtain with boldness. What does it look like to be that kind of people? Imagine your prayer. Imagine you're reaching out to others. Imagine you're giving generously. Imagine you're serving if that is how you truly live. And so how do we do that? And we see four quick things in this text that I'm going to race through for the next 10 minutes or so about how we can be a people that boldly enter. Number one is this. And all of these are, are drawn from that earlier Hebrews chapter 10 that, we, that Zoe so brilliantly read. Number one is it's a subtle little heart shift, but we need to become a people that are convinced We have to stop making sacrifices or offerings to get something and we need to start bringing our worship and obeying because we've already got it. Does it make sense? So many of us subconsciously live like the thing that's stopping me from the presence of God, from the prayer being answered, from the salvation coming, is I need to add to Jesus' sacrifice, my repentance, my saying sorry, my acts of service. I need to do some things to qualify myself to boldly enter. And this scripture is so clear, without hesitation, we can walk right up into the holy place because Jesus has cleared the way. He's laid out the red carpet by his blood of sacrifice as our priest before God. When, Jesus, when God looks at us, he sees the sacrifice of Jesus over us. And so it's not Jesus' sacrifice and my effort equals enough, it's Jesus' enough. And so I respond from a place of worship and obedience because I already have salvation, I already have access to the presence of God. And I know so many times in my life, even now after a couple decades of ministry and being a professional Christian, where you're not supposed to say stuff like this, I come to worship sometimes like it's a a job interview, like I'm supposed to bring my resume of things I've thought this week or things I've done this week on the one column, the, uh, the bad stuff, on the other column, the good stuff, and I bring it, and it's almost like this vending machine, God, like, is my week okay? Is my thought pattern okay? Have I said sorry enough times to be able to boldly enter? And Jesus goes, are you sure, Matt, that you want to lean on your own transaction here? Are you sure you want to lean on your body and your blood and your sacrifice? Because there's an offer here. There's an availability to lean on the blood of Jesus and come boldly into my presence because of what he's done. Are you sure you want to be front and centering yourself into this story? Friends, we're not at the center of the story, and that is the thing that allows us to boldly enter. We need to get out of our own way and believe and read and study and understand and internalize what Christ has done once and for all. Because point number two is this. He is the one who clears the way. He is the one who did everything to perfect us once and for all. And we can call on him on the 11th day of the 11th hour, right at the last thing, and he will still cover us. We can shout out to him from the deepest, darkest place, because we're either a people covered by the blood of Jesus fully, once and forever, or we're grasping onto our own, trying to clear the way. Christ has done it for us, and it's such a subtle thing that creeps into our theology that I need to now start paving the way to Jesus. He's done all this stuff for me and I've let him down over and over again. And so what I need to do is first sort myself out. I need to first get rid of that stuff. I need to first cut out that junk. I need to first say these sorries, and then I'll be able to access the present. Friends, you can't do any of that stuff unless you're standing boldly in the presence of God because he's the one who gives you the ability to stay holy and stay righteous and overcome sin and be healed and be saved. And so we don't work to get there. We start there. Jesus has cleared the way for us. The third thing to being a people that boldly enter as the pastor encourages us, man, we need to get a firm grip on what the promises of God are that he's made us, because so many of us worry about the promises we've made to God and think that our faithfulness and our fruitfulness and our being used by God are based on the things we said we're going to do, when in actual fact, our providence and our whole Christian life is based on the promises he's made to us. Do we know them? Do we internalize them? Do we believe in these promises? Because they are magnificent, right? The gospel will prevail. It will go on. The kingdom of God will grow and will be unshakable forever. I will bless you to be a blessing. You will inherit eternal life if you believe in me. You will find rest on earth in the middle of the storm, in the middle of all its troubles, if you put your hope in me. You will learn my voice. You will find joy in my presence. You will have an anchor for hope In your soul, I will make all things work together for your good. I will provide all your needs according to my riches in my Son Jesus. These are the promises God makes to us. Can we stand on them to be a people that boldly enter? And then lastly, I believe that we're called to be these conduits of the love and the presence of Jesus because it doesn't stop with us going into that place. And in fact, Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 24 onwards, says, let's get inventive in the way we love others, encourage one another, serve towards one another, and are together in our unity. When was the last time we were so full of the presence and love of Jesus that we were getting inventive on new people to love and ways to encourage our neighbors and ways to serve the kingdom of God and give and be united? Because he's saying, if you're in that presence of God, if you're in that beautiful place of the spirit of Jesus, we can actually not... Stop there, but take this gospel life and start to go out and serve and love others in the same way. I want to end off with the question of, we started with saying, do we know that we're loved by Jesus, have been served by him, that he's prayed and interceded for us? But the pastor here flips it on his head at the end of Hebrews chapter 10, and he says this, who do you love? Who are you getting inventive in the way you love? Who are you serving? Who do you know that is on your list of people to love and serve? Who are you praying for? crying out and interceding and trusting with them for miracles of salvation because this is what community is. And finally, can we get creative in being good neighbors to those around us? Can you come along on the 9th of May and with some vision in your heart and some faith in being a bold approach Jesus people, come along and figure out how can we, we can be good neighbors. Friends, our invitation this morning is to lean fully on the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. And I'm going to invite the band to come up uh, now and to start playing for us for a second because we're going to take communion and we're going to drink in that once and forever sacrifice. We're going to eat of that once and forever broken body for us. And we're going to pray that God would make us into a people that know that we can boldly enter. So can I ask you to, um, if you sat on this earlier, apologies, grab it from underneath you. If you were Wise enough to put it on the floor. Just grab it and pull off that first little layer of plastic. Can I read this portion of Hebrews chapter 10 again? You can close your eyes once you've got your bread and are ready to go. It says this, Every earthly priest goes to work at the altar every day and offers the same old sacrifices year in and year out, and it never makes a dent in our sin problem. But as the high priest, the great high priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. Jesus, as we eat of your body this morning, we want to say, this is it. The one hope, the one sacrifice, the one and forever and always, enough. Christ, you are enough for my problems, for my brokenness, for my hopes, for my dreams, for my purpose. Christ, you are enough. And we eat of the great, the broken body of the great high priest together. Let's eat this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. So church, olive tree, friends, we can now, without any hesitation, walk right up to God, boldly enter that holy place because Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of His sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is His body. Christ, would you make us into a people that are so convinced that we can approach you, that we live under the smile of God, that we are blessed to be a blessing. And God, there is nothing holding us back from accessing your very presence and your holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Let's drink together. Let's stand and close in worship this morning.